0: All right, it has been a hot minute since, one, we recorded last, but two, since it was just you and me, Sam, because the last episode we had our buddy Josh on here, and a lot has happened, and we were debating whether or not when the appropriate time was going to be to pick the show back up, because as it stands right now, there's only one more series going on uh, in the NBA playoffs before the NBA Finals, that is the Celtics and the Heat. And Game 5 is tomorrow night as of filming, May 25th. So we were kind of hoping that the Heat were going to sweep the Celtics so that way we could talk (laughs) about the Lakers series, the Nuggets series. Again, they both played each other. That came to a conclusion. Nuggets are on their way to their first NBA Finals. And then the Heat and the Celtics won, and they'd all be wrapped up neat and perfect for us. But now the Mm -hmm. Celtics had to go win a game. So now we're going to talk um, about the conclusion of one series and the possible conclusion of the next. So yeah. thanks, Celtics, for ruining the uh, both sweeps. But you know what? I think that's just sort of how this postseason has gone, really. I mean, maybe maybe that's a perfect illustration for, for how this, um, like I said, this entire postseason has gone. We've had a lot of very unexpected things happen. Um, And I don't think very many people expected the Heat to go up 3-0 on the Celtics. So, I guess we'll start with that one because, again, the game is tomorrow instead of talking about the Lakers and Nuggets series. Sam, I mean, the Heat are in prime position to take control. Uh, I mean, well, to win the series. Um, Do you think that this is going to end tomorrow night in Boston or are we going to be heading back to Miami for a game six?
1: Um, I think it's going to be a tighter game <clears throat> than the last couple games. You have a blowout in game three in favor of Miami, then you have a blowout in game four in favor of Boston. I think this game just naturally has to be tighter as both teams make adjustments. Um, the big thing is, from listening, it's it seemed like Boston really sharpened on the defensive side of the ball. They played Jimmy Butler, kind of differently than they had all series, which better late than never, but it seemed like it worked, right? And definitely limited his ability to uh, manage that game and facilitate to other players and really force those other players that gave Vincent's, the Martins, the Struces, the Duncan Robinsons to really win that game for Miami. That's not really where Miami wants to be. Um, I, I think... Miami is going to finish it either in five or six, but I'm hearing a lot of people, maybe most, mostly people that kicked Boston to win this series. But a lot of people are saying, Hey, if, if Boston find a way, finds a way to win game five, this game is going, this series is going seven games and Boston has a chance. Well, I just don't see it. They just haven't played well in four straight games at all. This playoffs.
0: So this so, I was scrolling through Google, just trying to see if I could find any notes about this game, and the one that came up, the, the most interesting one that I found came from Twitter, I don't know who this guy is, Sean Grande PVP is him. Nope, handle. never heard of him. And so don't know who he is, but... He tweeted out, to all the people who think they have any idea how this series is going to turn out, just a reminder, in the last three years, 21 regular season and playoff games between the Celtics and Heat, the home team is now 6-15. and 15. So, home court advantage has not been home court advantage for either one of these teams in the last um, 21 uh, regular season or playoff games. So... <clears throat> Yeah, look, so here's my thought about the whole thing. If if the Celtics – I agree with you. If the Celtics win game uh, game five, then I do think it's going to go seven. I, I I do. I do. That that was sort of – that was my consensus immediately after um, yesterday's game. I haven't swayed from that yet. I, I 100% agree with you. I think – no,
1: I. So that wasn't my feeling. That was just sort of what I've been hearing. I don't believe that for a second. I don't think – First off, when we just purely look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I don't think they can put up superstar performances in the next three games consistently because we have not seen it at all. I mean, I guess if you think that they got their duds out in the first three games of the series, then maybe. But I don't believe that they're going to get maximum production from both of those guys. And I think they do need to because Jimmy Butler is poised to have a big game.
0: Well, so the one thing about the Celtics that, you know, to their credit, um, and I, I give Greeny uh, all the credit in the world for pointing this out, if you think about the Celtics over the last couple of years, when they've been sort of, quote-unquote, down and out, that's sort of when they've played the best. I mean, if you think about last year, they were down 3-2. Um, they, I think it was in the Eastern Conference Finals. They come back, and they win that series to go on to the Finals. And then you have uh, this. I mean, just this. This postseason, when they were playing against Philly, they were down three two, and then they rally in Game Six to win that game. And then Jason Tatum goes off for fifty one points and just goes nuclear in Game Seven. So when the Celtics, yes, for as inconsistent as they've been, when they've needed it the most. They've gotten it from their stars. The problem is, is that it, it it seems like it takes them being down in a hole to to get that from their stars for whatever reason, which I know is frustrating for for fans, and I would imagine is frustrating for Celtics fans, not mm-hmm. just fans of uh, basketball in general. <clears throat> it really is um, like a tale of it, like the way that the Heat have made it to this point and the way that the Celtics have made it to this point have been just completely polar opposites of each other. I mean, you have Boston who's been a perfect example of, like, like the definition of whoa!
1: Wow. (laughs) You okay? That's someone's car alarm
0: going off. Yikes. Um... You have Boston, who has been really inconsistent throughout the postseason, but when they're on, they're arguably the best team in the league. And then you have Miami, who's just been this wall of consistency. Josh, as I was talking to him the other day, even sort of said it's almost like the Spurs and their dynasty. Like, they played great defense. They never made mistakes. And when they were up on you, they just put their foot down, and they just never let you back in. So it has been really interesting the like juxtaposition of these two teams next to each other, because, and like, even, even if, so let's say hypothetically, the Celtics do come back and they do win the series, which I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say that does happen again. Think about the difference that you'd have in the finals. You'd have Denver who has been nothing but consistent the entire year. And then Boston, who's been this roller coaster team. Um, and I feel like that's sort of the series we have right now with with Miami um, and the Celtics. Like I feel like the the Celtics, regardless of if they were playing the Heat now or if they're going to play the De- Denver next um, in the NBA Finals, it's sort of like they're going up against the same team from the standpoint of they're not coming against coming up against a team who's just kind of on this magic like fairy tale ride. I, I don't think for a second that the Heat are actually an eighth seed. They're playing against uh, what would be two teams that have been extremely steady the entire postseason, which mm-hmm. doesn't bode well for Boston, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's worst case scenario. Um, yeah, I like the spur comparison there for Miami because it seems like it's a it's a death by a thousand cuts to their opponents. They're not really. Yeah, Jimmy went off for that one game against Milwaukee when he went for fifty six, but. Other than that, it's been him, he is the leading cog, and everyone else putting in really great performances for their standards, right? And that's sort of how they've been able to control. Um, I think Boston is potentially the most talented team left, but they're fighting themselves so much that it's like they have to work even harder to get wins and have to get out of their own way with the turnovers and the lack of discipline, lack of focus and all these things that were so uncharacteristic to their team last season. Now it's these things are rearing their ugly heads in the worst times and leading to them just being dysfunctional, just befuddled almost in these playoffs. So I just don't see how they can all of a sudden, Remedy that and win three games in a row. Now it's it's a 3-1 lead at this point. I feel like people thought that Boston won two games last night with that win. But it's it's 3-1 now.
0: Yeah. I, and to be fair, it's not like Boston's... Uh, it's, it's not like playing in Boston has favored the Celtics. I mean, they got swept in their, uh, in the first two games, uh, not like, it, it, and it wasn't even, I, again, it's not like those games were necessarily, I don't know, I guess all that close either. I mean, I understand that, yes, it was a six point game in game two and it was a seven point game in game one, but like, again, it, it felt like in both of those games that at least to me that like Miami had it without a doubt. <laughs> yeah um in in both of those games like coming down the end like yeah it was cl- yes like I said the score would indicate to you that it was close but if you were watching both games it just never felt like Miami was gonna give them any sort of life like yes they would go Boston would go on a little bit of a run but then Miami would just answer right back and be like look we're not We'll we'll let you have some points, but we're going to answer right back. We're going to keep this within six to eight points. Like, we won't be able to pull away from you, but you're not going to catch us.
1: Um, Do you think, do you agree with the submit that right now Boston has all the pressure? Let's, Boston has 90% of the pressure. There's obviously 10% of pressure on Miami to get this done. But once it, if Boston were to win and force a game six in Miami, the sentiment that I've heard is that that flips. That yes. all of a sudden Boston has all of this pressure, but they must win because they can't let it get to a game seven in Boston. Even though we've already established Boston hasn't played really well at home in this postseason, even in even against um, Atlanta or against Philly, they've lost games at home. But do you do you agree with that sentiment that that pressure? would be just mounting all onto Miami's shoulders at that point.
0: I I do. I, I really do. I do think that right now the pressure is on Boston because right now you're down three one. It's not necessarily an expectation that you're going to win the series, but if you if you get to a three two situation, well then you go, Well we did this last series, you know? Like <laughs> like we were down three two. We've done this before. We did it last year. Like, we'll just, we'll, we're all good. We're in familiar territory. And mm-hmm. not only that, but if you're Miami, then you're sitting there and you're going, okay, well, this is our last shot to get him at home. Like, yes, we've beaten, beaten him on the road, but I mean, we all know playing at home. Well, I guess maybe with these two teams, that, that stat that I read at the beginning, this really throws a wrench in all of this. Wow. Um, because home court really hasn't meant much, um, for either team. But, I think conventional wisdom would say you'd want to be back on your home court. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we look at Game Three. I mean, being at home for the Heat, they—whether <laughs> or not it was home court or whether or not it was the Celtics, just like shitting the bed. I don't know, but like they just—they <laughs> blew them out in Game Three. Right. So I don't know. I think it's weird because right, because Game Three was a blowout. And game four was a blow. And they were both in Miami. So I don't necessarily think either one of those games in Miami would be the norm or what, what you should expect heading into game six. If it were to get to that, I think it'd probably be somewhere in the middle, which would mean it'd be a close game. Um, I don't know if those two games were accurate representations of, of what it would be like. Should it go back to game six? But I do hundred percent agree that if Boston does manage to win this next game, then, yeah, it does the it does switch to uh, Miami because now Boston's got the momentum, and it's up, up to Miami to finish the deal at home because if you head back to Boston for Game 7, <clears throat> that's a dangerous place to be. That is a dangerous place to be, um, and we've already seen this postseason when it's on the line Game 7, Jason Tatum can give you 51 points. Yeah. So,
1: And Miami's an older roster, so I think really it would just be for this series and next to get this done as soon as possible He's super important. And Denver, I think Denver's going to win the championship no matter what. I agree. They're the best team. Um They're for sure the best team, and we can go right into the Denver Lakers series. Yeah. That series was uh, much more competitive, and I think – Man, Nick Wright had, I think, a really interesting take on this. It's the the Lakers, the the mistakes that they made in the beginning of the year finally caught up to haunt them in this Western Conference Finals because in all those games, it was tight. They even had the lead in most, I think, three of the games that they ended up losing. Um, They had the lead late kinda of ran out of gas and Jamal Murray and Jokic were able to close ahead of LeBron and A D because younger legs or what have you, and they were able to rest. I mean the the Nuggets rested the last month of the season because they had already sewn up the number one seed. Right. So the Lakers on their old more aged, experienced legs had to fight for a longer period of time to make the playoffs, win the play in uh, win the first round, fight in the second round to make it to this point, and I think that was that was an interesting way of thinking about it. Of man, this just the time and the mistakes, the having that kind of broken roster in the beginning really caught up to bite them late.
0: Yeah, I will. I will say that if like with the Lakers, um, they they performed very. Very admirably, in, um, in. Well, yeah, LeBron's maybe last game. I mean, that
1: was incredible.
0: Yeah, the, I, I I don't buy that for a second. But um, <laughs> the, then, what do you think it is? You I, just he just wants the attention. I don't I don't know what it is. I think it's more heat, may potentially heat of the moment. But like I, I I would be shocked if he. I saw an article today that's saying he'd be walking away from nearly a hundred million dollars if he stepped away. This offseason, which, again, maybe in this point in LeBron's career, it feels ridiculous to say. But maybe he doesn't care. <laughs> um, I doubt it. But, I mean, $100 million is still $100 million. And he has said a million times he wants to play with his son. He's yeah. two, possibly three years away from that. It's not that far away. I I don't know. Whether or not it's on the Lakers next year, I'd, who knows? I don't buy that he's he's gonna retire I, I really I really don't I it would be more likely I think that he would take a year off and then come back Ooh. but maybe yeah like I, I could see him going you know what <laughs> I'm, I've been doing this for 20 seasons I need a year off to rest and recoup I'm gonna give it one more shot and then after that I'm just gonna play with my son like
1: I don't get why next year he can't he could just go out and play. 48 50 mid 50 games right that he's hovering around that 30 minute mark
0: well i don't know and if the lakers that... are good enough to have him but that's not his fault the no just... but that's not
1: expect with... him to put up close to 30 in his age 39 year which is what he was putting up this year
0: right but the that's lakers also can't not what bank he... on that. but he's playing for championships At this point. There's nothing else for him to play for. Yeah.
1: Maybe this year was the last one. Where he's playing for championships.
0: Potentially. But you know. You got that whole Kyrie thing. Hanging out on the balance. I don't know. Who who knows. But. The main story obviously is. Is Denver.
1: Um, Ooh. Is that the main story though?
0: I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) I do. They're still playing. (laughs)
1: um, Denver was winning all those games. And all I saw was Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. But I think. It would be completely disrespectful to not acknowledge how freaking awesome is Nikola Jokic.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, like, we've been watching DeMontes Sabonis this whole year. But even from a passive standpoint, you and I have acknowledged that Nikola Jokic is the best big man in the game. And I think now it's probably fair to say he's probably the best player in the NBA.
1: I don't know if I can go that far. I think people forget how good Giannis is and how good of a year he had um, to just like, we can't just keep flip-flopping best player in the world. Like last year, Steph was the best player on the planet. And then what did Steph go and do this year? Oh, he had a great year and dragged the Warriors to the second round. Right. So yeah, Jokic is playing out of his mind. Um, but I can't just go to, oh, he's the best player on the planet. What if they go out and lose to Miami in the finals? Then it's like, well, that was a huge disappointment.
0: But here's the thing. That's what we do, right? Like, that's, that's why there's an, uh, usually different MVPs every year. Unless somebody does something so spectacular that it's deserving of a back-to-back, which, by the way, jokic didn't do. Um, yep. In the honest done Yes, Giannis has done that. Um, It's one of those things where I guess it really depends on how you're defining best. You know, Mm -hmm. because Nikola Jokic isn't as physically dominant as Giannis. But what Nikola Jokic does is so ridiculously unique from a standpoint of being able to score the way he does, rebound the way he does, pass the way. He just does everything correctly he's like mm-hmm. he's not duncan but he's from a standpoint of just doing everything seemingly right all the time mm-hmm. he's like duncan from that standpoint now he's a much better passer than Tim duncan was yeah was. um i would it's tough to say because obviously he's, he's a
1: worse defender for sure but he is a worst the, num- the offensive numbers him. yeah the yeah. offensive numbers he puts up you really can't compare him to any big man in any generation. Yeah, pretty, it's tough. What he's doing is just completely uncomparable. But so I was thinking, why do I not like, why am I not attracted to what Denver is doing? I've, we all agreed, right. When Josh came on, Oh, Denver making the finals would actually be the worst.
0: Well, like did I, the, I did. I did not agree, but that's right, Josh Josh's.
1: I- Josh's quote, as long as Denver doesn't make the finals, the NBA will be happy, right? Right. And I totally, wholeheartedly agree. And now I've kind of pinpointed why that is. And it's because Nikola Jokic is so much like Tim Duncan or even like a Kawhi. It's like, I've never heard this guy speak. Right. He's not. I've never related to him. I don't know his personality. Like, I, I don't know LeBron at all but i've seen him in so many other mediums that it's like oh like i kind of i kind of get who he is and can sort of get behind but jokic no idea yes he's an unbelievable basketball player but i think i've heard him speak once or twice and i think that's sort of the big drawback with him and having him in the denver nuggets Which is no, it's no shame to them. Their job is to play basketball. And he's playing basketball at an elite level. But there's that added of, well, he's not really creating himself into a star. Everyone else in the media or in Denver has to be like, well, this guy is great. So you guys need to love him. But there's no, there's nothing additive with him. It's just his play.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily marketable. From like the same way LeBron is. Um, who knows if that's by choice or if it's by the you know just because he's dead or not. Um, mm-hmm. And now you know you guys. I mean, you and Josh have always sort of you know poked fun at me for the I guess the style of basketball. I guess that I prefer. And I look basketball's been was my was my like day job for like for like fifteen like I didn't for like fifteen years straight. There wasn't a weekend or a week where I wasn't practicing basketball with a team or going and playing tournaments like I love everything about basketball but I also had been told many times that I I was born in the wrong era because of the style of basketball that that I played I mean I I mean I played point guard and I loved playing defense and I loved creating stuff for my other team I wasn't all that necessarily concerned with putting up you know 25 points my my stat my ideal stat line would have been you know 10 10 10 like, that was that was what I was going for each game. So, th- I think that's why I was so drawn to the Spurs, because they, they beat you because, as a group, they were just better than you. Like, they weren't going to make mistakes, and everybody was tied to a rope, like on defense and on offense. You didn't even necessarily have to think, per se. They mm-hmm. were all, like, one mind. And I think Jokic is a bit of a throwback to that from the standpoint of, him and everybody else around Gordon, Porter, uh, Murray, and Pope, like all of them, he just – he whether or not – like the Denver Nuggets team is not the old first team. But Jokic makes everybody else around them – I mean around him sort of feel like a bit of a throwback from the standpoint of, you know, what what they're able to create for each other and what he's able to specifically create for everybody else. And Jamal Murray – I mean Jamal Murray's a stud. <laughs> I, I I don't yeah. like. Maybe Nikola Jokic isn't necessarily the funnest player in the world to watch for some people, but Jamal Murray is a blast to watch. He is so much fun to watch. The step back threes, the drives, the contested mid range jumpers, the two man game that him and Jokic run all the time. It's it, he is a blast to watch, and Aaron Gordon can fly around with anybody. They, I mean, it's. I I don't necessarily know why they're not. I don't know why people don't necessarily think of them as fun to watch because it feels ridiculous to say that the only reason why they're not quote-unquote fun to watch is because of Jokic. That just feels like that's – like he is the centerpiece and it feels like that shouldn't be the moniker for why they're not fun to watch because you can't tell me – you can't look me in the eyes and tell me that Jamal Murray isn't fun to watch. Like there's no way. There's no way you can't. Maybe you don't know him that well. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell me he is not fun to watch. Like I, that argument, I wouldn't. I wouldn't understand. So I, I don't so, really know what it is because let's. I mean, if any other player put up what Jokic put up in the first game, let's. I mean, let's go back. You got to remember he put up 35 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. If LeBron James put that up in game one, we'd be talking about as like the greatest playoff performance ever. Yep. So, it feels unfair. Like, I get what you're saying, but it feels unfair to Jokic from that standpoint. And I, I feel... Um, I
1: don't believe that. I don't think it's unfair. I, I think it's... He is justly positioned in a place that he has put himself in. I mean, he's one of the best basketball players on the planet, but there's nothing extra that is propelling him into this mainstream conversation like the the marketability of Steph and LeBron and um KD to an extent or a Kobe back in the day or a Michael right there was they were letting these players were letting us into or letting fans into their lives a little bit at a time that allowed people to really relate and st- towards so that's why i think there's nothing like i said on the court jokic and denver are incredible and uh, they're easily the best basketball team running right now and throughout the playoffs really um but there's nothing gravitating me towards their games right so i'm not even there's and i'm probably not this not alone in this there's nothing that's like Getting me like, oh yeah, Denver's on tonight. Let me watch them. But if the Lakers are on, oh I want to see LeBron. Because I've grown up with him. And A D to a certain extent, based off of the bubble championship and different things like that. Like these guys are just more um apparently visible through other means that allows them to really uh come back into and get me back to their games and their performances.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean you're right. That's just that's the world that we live in at the moment. But I do think it is a game because Denver is fun to watch. If if you're a basketball if you love the game of basketball and aren't necessarily concerned with the players per se, and you're more concerned with, you know, the actual game of basketball itself, then you get plenty of enjoyment watching Denver. Plenty. Um, well,
1: then I ask you this, when, from 2015 to 2023 was your best, bo- was your favorite basketball team, the Golden State Warriors?
0: Was my favorite team?
1: Yeah. To watch, if you're going to turn on a game, are you turning on a Warriors game?
0: I'm turning on a Kings game, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just the lot in life I was getting
1: <laughs> Right. But uh, in the playoffs, because the Kings
0: obviously weren't in the playoffs. Well, in the playoffs, and again, for me, I was a bit of an outlier, right? I was watching the Spurs. Uh, From 2015 to 2023.
1: 2015 to
0: 2023, I mean, you knew – I don't know. I, I think for me, yes, they were fun to watch. But actually, like, if they were on when I turned them on, yes, because they were a show. But I, it was one of those things where, like – because they were so good yes there were wow moments it, it didn't feel as shocking you know like mm-hmm. if, if Steph went for 30 and clay went for 30 and Durant went for 30 I was just kind of like well yeah I mean there were amazing plays along the way but that's kind of what like I'm expecting right like they're, they're just unfairly good um, which is why I feel like Miami doing what they're doing has been more entertaining because yep. you're not Really expecting that, um. So, but I mean, your point is well taken from the standpoint of yeah, people turned on to. I mean, they the Warriors were the team; they still are.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I think if, who I think my girlfriend would know who Nikola Jokic is, especially because we did go to Denver for Sacramento. Um, yeah. but she's a little more in tune to sports and I think um, some, like, do you think Brie would know who Jokic is?
0: She would not know who Jokic was. She only really started watching the NBA this year with me because she got into the Kings. So right. so that she was, like, genuinely hurt when they got knocked
1: out. <laughs> so that's that's the thing, right? Like, I think, man, because I feel like I, I saw, I heard, oh gosh, I saw JJ Riddick's Latest post, um, he was sort of ranting on the fact that everyone was saying that the ratings are going to be bad when it's going to be Denver versus Miami, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's just it's natural. Like, you can't expect people to care about good basketball if they're just casual fans that are just like, oh yeah, like I like I know who LeBron is, I know who Steph is, like I've heard those names. Let's watch it, type of thing. Oh. Who is Nikola Jokic? Who is Jimmy Butler? Right? Those aren't crazy mainstream names.
0: Jimmy Butler is.
1: I don't think so, dude. I,
0: I feel like he's been around long enough that um, he is... I, I think most, most casual NBA fans would know who Jimmy Butler is.
1: I just don't think so, man. Like, dude's occasionally an all-star, and... Maybe is all NBA sometimes, but on
0: Jimmy. Like that's an that's a thing. That's in it. the in that's the NBA thing. community, that's a thing. That'd be a fun question to ask Josh. I mean, obviously, he's got his pulse kind of directly on the NBA, pretty much twenty four seven, just based on his YouTube channel. That would be that'd be a fun question to ask him, because. Um, I don't know. He may not be the face of the league, but who do you think is more well-known, Paul George or Jimmy Butler?
1: To a random person on the street? Yeah. Um, probably Paul George. He's got his own shoe.
0: True. He also had the, I guess, horrific injury. Uh,
1: Yeah, that is – unfortunately, <laughs> that, is, that is true.
0: Well, just from the standpoint of if you think of, like, really famous bad injuries, like, that he'd be mm-hmm. – He'd be on a...
1: which is no shame to Jimmy Butler and it's no shame to Jokic, but it's just it's just the facts
0: of what it is. No, yeah, like there are plenty of players who are much bigger names than both of them in the league, but I, um, I'd argue that Jimmy Butler is closer to Steph Curry than he is Nicole Jokic.
1: But isn't that so bad that that you're using like Jokic is an extreme of. Who the heck is that guy? Yeah, and maybe is it, it, that the foreign? He's, if he's the not the best, element,
0: he's a top three player in the league. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does, it, it, it does, it does stink from that standpoint because there's some really amazing basketball being played by him and the Nuggets. Um, and if you're an NBA fan and you just appreciate basketball in general, that's good basketball being played by Denver. Yeah. Um, but
1: um, it sucks that the Kings weren't going to be there because they would be in the NBA finals for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm not – like, that's not even a question. I, I like, I wouldn't even need to – I don't think – even asking, like, most people on the street, I'd be like, hey, if you, if you think the Kings were able to beat the Warriors, where would they be? I think most people would say they'd be in the finals. Yeah. So Like, I, I mean, we don't – I don't even really think we need to discuss that further. It's just kind of a statement of fact. Water's wet. The Kings really were the best team in the NBA. But they're – Actually, and you know what? That was a terrible analogy for me because water is not wet. So, um, water is just water. So. Okay. Are you one of those guys? Do you think we don't have to talk about that?
1: It's got to be a short podcast. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to? Um, because I think the next time we record, there's not even going to be an NBA Finals game.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, uh, the next couple of days. Yeah.
1: I think congrats good to see Brooks Kepka win the PGA mm-hmm. Championship. Yeah. Uh, won his fifth major. Uh, the dude's back. Finished second in the Masters. Just won the PGA Championship. The dude is back. I know you're grinning from ear to ear.
0: I love Brooks. I love Brooks. Um, I will say that the one thing that I do think we can finish the show with um, is something that's still pretty relevant in the media right now, something that you were able to just watch. Uh, thoughts on the third Guardians movie? Oh, yeah. uh,
1: I think it was my
0: favorite. I Okay, good. So anybody who hasn't seen the Guardians movie, um, you can turn off the podcast now. Thank you for listening, um, and uh, we will see you all next week when either the Celtics or Heat are officially crowned Eastern Conference champions. Um, and ready, go. I agree with you. I I think the farther that I got away from that movie, um, the more things that I was able to sort of look back on and think about it and go, oh, you know what, I really liked this, I really liked that. I, I agree with you. I think out of the three, I think it was the best one, which is crazy because the first one was amazing. But mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why the first one was so amazing is because it was so different than anything else. at that yep. point. And as I started to look back and compare the two, both movies were very funny. Both had really good action, but I'd argue that the third one had better action and no yep. no scene in Guardians 1 action-wise was better than that hallway scene. Um, and the villain in the third Guardians was infinitely better than the very forgettable villain in the first Guardians movie. What? Ronan the Destroyer? Oh, yeah. He was terrible.
1: I think that was his name, right?
0: I think it was Ronan, yeah.
1: Well, no, his name is Ronan. What was his moniker? The Conqueror. Ronan. Because Dax is the Destro- Drax is the destroyer.
0: Um. So that is Accuser was his name. Oh,
1: he likes to point his finger at people. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that. To me, if I could take my nostalgia glasses off, I think head to head, Guardians three, I think would take it. It just had because it. Has the funny, mm-hmm. and Guardians is just a lot. Guardians one is just a lot of funny, but then the the emotional pulls in this third one is just. I mean, if you are an animal lover, if you have a pet at home, oh. and different things like, like this, this movie will hurt <laughs> a little bit. Um, and I was in my feels in a theater alone in the in the middle of the day. Yeah, um, it was like whoa, I, did, I can't believe that this these CGI things can make me feel this way. Oh, like they are not real. I know. Um, no, I loved, and I think it's a big thing for for Marvel to get back on track because they stunk in their movies. Oh yeah, in the last last year and a half. But yeah, this I think really got them back on track. It just it just seemed like the perfect culmination for this group.
0: Yeah, and I saw an article that was saying that part of the reason why this movie was so good was because it was a James Gunn movie first and a Marvel movie second. Um, and I, mm. I, I think I tend to agree with that. And I saw this really, like, deep-cut Easter egg, which I thought was really neat. Um, so throughout the, like, Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3, there are instances where, like, Rocket is, like, trying to get, like, body parts from people. Like, he asked for an eye. Uh, right. An arm and a leg. Um, and if you look back at his three companions, um, was it, it was teeth, legs, uh-huh. um, Lila. Yep. Um, every, every piece of body that Rocket was like trying to get an arm, an eye or a leg related to one of his three friends. Um, so if you think about like, uh, if you think about legs, obviously, You know, she had legs, (laughs) the robot legs. Um, Oh, the rabbit? Yeah, the rabbit. Like, each, like, I can't think of it off the top of my head because I can't picture the character designs in my head. Um, But it was creepy. I know. At the start, I was like, oh,
1: whoa, that is.
0: They were. Um, But each one of the three things that, like, Rocket tries to get throughout those movies um, is sort Mm -hmm. of in relation to one of his friends. Which I was like, Oh wow, that's Yeah, I didn't
1: even connect the dots on that one. I didn't either.
0: (laughs) Um I watched a video that sort of like highlighted, Hey, remember when he asked for this? Well, this was because of Blank Friend and then I was like, Oh my god. (laughs) I wonder like that that couldn't have been planned. That had to have been something that James Gunn was like, Hey, I bet you we could Yeah. We could probably or maybe it came from the comics. I don't know. But that would be a really, really deep, deep bowl. (laughs) Um Mm -hmm. But it was an awesome movie. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, the action was great. That hallway scene reminded me of Kingsman, the church scene. Yeah. Um, that, like, one running camera spinning around the room, chasing from one person to the other. That was amazing. Um, all the jokes landed pretty much for me. Um, the uh, high evolutionary apparently didn't die. <laughs> so What? Yeah, so James Gunn sort of hinted at that, and then the main villain, um, you know, he was asked in an interview, they were asked if he was dead, and he was like, well, did you actually see me die? And <laughs> um, and then that's really all that he said. So what well, the- didn't he, get,
1: he got shot by... He got shot by Rocket.
0: Yeah, but uh, remember, Rocket didn't choose to, like, kill him at the very end. Um So I think my dad was saying that like in like one of the like background shots, like Groot is seen carrying a limp body and people think that was the high evolutionary. Um, So I think people are thinking that he is still alive and just now in prison. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Uh, He was he was really cool. I, I liked his I liked his character a lot. Yeah, he's what I think he's kind
1: of the level that they were trying to go with gore, but then they actually like went ahead with it in this one cuz he was dark.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because Guardians is a very good example of what I guess Thor the new Thor movie was trying to do cuz Guardians was dark, but it didn't <laughs> it was able to balance humor in a way that didn't necessarily feel like it was two completely different movies. I mean, there was one, I think there was one drastic shift that I thought, I think it was like after like Lila got shot and all of his friends died. And then it switched to like Drax and Mantis like bickering with each other. And I was like, well, that felt kind of like I was still coming down from the, <laughs> the, uh, all of his friends dying. But like, for the most part, it really did balance the, the sort of dark and like bleak tones of the movie with humor and God, it's just with Ragnarok, man, like with
1: the love and thunder.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Love and thunder. Sorry. Ragnarok was great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't pull that movie down. Yeah. Don't Don't pull Ragnarok into it. Yeah. Ragnarok was great. Um, But Gore just felt like he was in a different movie than everybody else.
1: Um yeah, yeah, I think I think uh Love and Thunder tried to be funnier than this Guardian's movie because this Guardians movie it seemed like it wasn't trying yeah. super hard because it's just oh Dave Batista, he's Drax and he's kind of an idiot. And um you know what I didn't like in this movie?
0: Huh.
1: And I think it was on purpose. Nebula was just Really unlikable in this
0: movie. oh uh, yeah, at times. Um, and they're
1: and they're pushing almost a her and uh, Peter.
0: Yeah, that's romance. that. Yeah, that sort of came up a little bit, and and uh, so when people were like after the movie came out, that was sort of sort of a joke that I don't know. Maybe that happens. Who knows? Um, but oh man, I had. That's something I wanted to say and it,
1: I totally lost it. Um. No, but I totally get that, right? Because I think it was it was that scene where I think I was like on the verge of tears once Lila gets shot in the back and then the other he turns around, the others got shot in the crossfire and mm-hmm. he, um, he escaped and everything. That was like, oh my gosh, this is so sad. Uh, and then they did cut right to like Drax and Mantis went outside the ship.
0: Uh, yes, like, yes
1: when Drax, like, tricked her into going on the motorcycle.
0: Yep.
1: Um, yeah, I
0: liked, I liked Counter-Earth.
1: I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, Peter, when he didn't know how to drive, I thought yep. it was pretty funny.
0: The F-bomb was perfectly timed.
1: Yeah, well, what was it?
0: It was when uh, Nebula was trying to open the door, and Peter was like, Open the door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty funny. That was good. That was a good use of it. That was that was a good use of it. I like I said to you afterward, and we can sort of get toward the end of this episode, but like I I thought that they used every ounce of PG thirteen in that movie. Like between between the violence, between how dark it was with all of the like animal abuse, between honestly how many curse words were used in that movie and the F bomb. Um I was like, they really stretched the PG-13 that like Marvel is sort of consistently plays with. Um, mm-hmm. And I I was here for it. I was like, cool. <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah, I was, I was here for it too. I think it – does that just show that Marvel is acknowledging that their audience is getting
0: older? Maybe. I mean, you think about the Deadpool and Wolverine movie that are going to be coming um, – that's going to be probably a pretty hard R. Um,
1: oh yeah.
0: And I saw something the other day that saying that was saying, make no mistake, this is more of a Wolverine movie than a Deadpool movie. And I was like, cool, let, yeah, I give me give me some more Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, that I'll, I'll never get sick of that. So, um, that was great.
1: Uh, Where do you think what happens next with the gardens? Because it, um, uh, it looked like. What Lord will be back somehow? Yeah, which I I don't think they need to.
0: No, he'll probably come back. Like he probably won't be back right away. I imagine we'll see the Guardians with Rocket and Groot and Adam Warlock. Which, by the way, we didn't even talk about Adam. He sort of felt like kind of just a a small addition to the movie. He didn't take away from the movie at all. Um, It wasn't necessarily all that needed. I liked how they played out the fact that he really was, like, kind of a baby. Like, he's brand new. Yeah. He's brand new. Like, that tracks. That made sense. Um, but uh, I didn't really know what to think of him other than, okay, well, he's sort of just learning how to be, I guess, alive. So, huge role. But, um, yeah, I mean, I he was... I really didn't know what to think about him during the movie other than, all right, well, I guess we got a new character, so cool. He seems he seems all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, he will need further, further development. Um, what do you think about Gamora and Peter?
0: I think that's done, probably. And I think that's okay. <laughs> um, I think they made it very clear that that, Gamora, that this Gamora is not the Gamora of old. And I, I think that's all right. I don't think they need to... To try to force Peter and Gamora to be back together, I'd be honestly be more interested in maybe Nebula and Peter.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it gives it gives that whole scene in the uh, Infinity War still meaning.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he he lost her and he lost her forever, and that's okay. Um, like they don't they don't need to they don't need to bring that back. Um, yeah. so, but overall, yeah. Two giant thumbs up for Marvel. They needed that big time. Um, and um, I don't even know what the next... I know that they've got a couple TV series coming up, but I don't know what the next big movie is off the top of my head. Um, but I know what the next big game is because that Spider-Man 2 game is coming out soon. I just saw a new trailer for that. So if you're if you're a Spider-Man fan, you're going to be eating really well really soon. So
1: Well, no one cares about that.
0: Well, not a lot of people did, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, a whole hell of
0: a lot of people did. Actually, a lot of people did. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. Um, by next uh, next time you hear from us, uh, we will be talking about the NBA finals and previewing that. We'll see if we can get Josh on to do a preview. If not, it'll just be us. Um, he probably won't want to talk about Denver. Uh, yeah, he might not. He'll just come on and be like, all right, well, um, you guys want to talk about golf? I don't <laughs> know. Or um, he, he talk about Marvel with us. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, he's seen uh, I believe the majority of the movies. So oh, I didn't know that. So all right, well, everybody have a fantastic week, and uh, we will see you all very shortly. See ya later.